Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you good. Can you hear me? Amazing. Yes, works perfectly. That's great. That's great. I'm happy to have you here today. Thank you for making some time for us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you been doing? Been doing good. Been doing good. Came back from vacation last week, so definitely an easy week so far. But time just goes so much faster when you're working, isn't it? So I'm surprised oh, yeah. already Friday, actually. But no, I had some, had some great time. And yeah, looking forward to uh, to the next kind of like weeks and months coming up. Usually, now that the summer low, so to say, is over, it's going to be a little more exciting. Yeah, yeah. Where where'd you go vacation at? Uh, my first time in uh, California, actually. No way. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was super nice. Went to LA and then a little bit up and down the the coasts, past all the macOS update places I realized I was like oh I now know what why they all have those names with like Ventura <laughs> and everything I was like that makes sense to me <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome that you're here at the states yeah it was it was a great I've been to Miami and Denver before both for conferences and then the first time uh, vacationing yeah uh, in California definitely a different vibe when you come to America for work or for vacation but it, it was a lot of fun I did really enjoy it <laughs> Doesn't it feel like you're in a completely different country when you go like to each city? It feels like its own vibe. Like when I go to Miami, I feel like I'm in some Latin country or something. It feels completely different. It is. It is so different, um, especially because my first visit ever was Denver, and I would say Denver. I mean, it was crazy cold <laughs> when we went with February for Eve Denver. Yeah, but I mean, I'm from Germany, so like I'm more used to like a little cold, a little more rainy weather and stuff and then Miami a couple of months later was just the biggest contrast ever I was like whoa <laughs> right but then also the size of just America compared to Europe is is also just insane yeah <laughs> and true. so I'm just it just amazes me like all the time but even even California itself like LA Santa Barbara Ventura like all this area up to Cambria it's just even that changes so fast um it's it was just it was just amazing it was got some very good uh yeah, some very good experiences there. Had some great wine as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to if you're going to be there. You're in wine country. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's awesome. Well, and I'm really happy that you got to enjoy yourself. We're obviously glad that you know, you're know you back on the grind and that uh, the week went by fast for you. That's good. So, yeah, exactly. It's never ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Fabian, uh, let me um, ask you a little bit. You know, I, I know that kive according to your website officially kind of got started on in 2021 but what was your crypto journey how did you first get into crypto yeah it's a good question actually bitcoin is is a part of it so usually this part of the story i usually skip because it was a long time ago but i think for bitcoin it it is it is fun um which is that actually when i was 
13, 14, 15, uh, I had to do a presentation in my economics class. Um, and I chose the Bitcoin topic for whatever reason. It was way too complicated <laughs> for little me back then. Um, but I somehow managed to to present it. And I remember it was when Bitcoin was at like, I think it was like $30 or something like that. And I remember like my mom was like, well, you should really try to buy some. But it was so complicated back then. You know, I wasn't 18 and stuff. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine, whatever, right? Oh, <laughs> so man. I never bought any. I should have definitely done it. But uh, no, it's fine. Gotta listen to your um, So this is like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So this was my first like really touch point with crypto. And of course, I, mean, I, I didn't truly understand what, what was going on about it. Yeah. But then actually how I really got into crypto is um, I, was, uh, I was freelancing um, and I got invited um, to the SAP, which is the big German software company um, for a hackathon. Um, and I was there and... I ran into a guy there, or was it the guy who invited me? But he was in crypto already. Um, and he told me, oh, we can create our own like ERC20 token. And I was like, cool, sounds great. And so we spun up the Remix IDE and created the ERC20 token in like, I don't know, how long it takes, two hours, three hours. But it was a three-day hackathon, right? I was like, well, shit, you know, what are we <laughs> going to do the rest of the three days? And also in general, just the random token has no real value. So it's also before DeFi, I remember there was this very shady, McAfee decks that he created or something like that. I don't know if you remember that, Eric, but it was it was some weird time. <laughs> Anyways, I was then talking to the to the guy who was sitting on the other side of me and he was an SAP um like I think he was doing his master's there or something like that. And he was working on a tool called the CLA Assistant, um, where basically uh, big enterprises use it uses it and uh, for open source contributions. And if you are an, uh, an external developer, you need to like sign it on your GitHub pull request and say, well, I'm giving away my rights on the code, so I'm not going to sue the company later. And they were actually storing those signatures on like a hard drive on the fridge in the office. And I was like, well, it's even for the SCP, it's <laughs> a weird place to store your data, right? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'm like migrating it right now. It's like my, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was his master project. So his master's project was migrating that and things like that. And I was like, well, that's cool. And then I, and I went back to the hotel and I was like, actually storing like the signature data on the blockchain, that's actually a pretty cool use case, right? Because the moment someone like signs something, he should not be able to, uh, you know, change it, right? uh, you know, lose change it. it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the next two days, I built a little connector for them uh, to connect um, your data from uh, the CLA assistant and store it on Ethereum, testnet, of course, because <laughs> fees <laughs> said no. But um, so this was kind of like the final project. And then half a year later, the colleague from the SCP pinged me again, and he heard about Arweave. Um, for the ones not familiar, Arweave is like a storage blockchain. And he was like, actually, think about it. You can now like even upload PDFs and documents. And like, you could like try and build a decentralized like DocuSign. I was like, oh, that's great. And so I, uh, I was talking to uh, uh, Sam from Arweave about uh, implementing that. Then somehow we got sidetracked and I built a tool there called Arverify where we would uh, analyze like Arweave internal uh, transactions. And then we could tell if an address was a human owned or uh, maybe like uh, part of a civil attack mm, or something yeah. like that. And then this was my first start into crypto. Um, and this is how I then uh, yeah met John, the co-founder of Kive. And then, uh, yeah, one day we, we browsed through Gitcoin. We saw a bounty from Polkadot to store Arweave from uh, uh, to store data from Polkadot on Arweave. We're like, well, that, that's a cool idea. 
then we did it as like one script and we were like well in theory we could like modify all the data now and then it's like kind of centralized so we should like decentralize that system and then this is kind of like the how the idea of kive was was born really and yeah now look at us two years later and we're here <laughs> and have our whole own blockchain and and many many other things and features and visions around kive um but yeah, that's my little my little story. Man, it's it's so cool how you did that. I I did that was really interesting, you know, like that it was through Polkadot that you actually, you know, got inspired. So, whenever you built it, it wasn't obviously on Cosmos SDK. So, what made you decide to end up building it on Cosmos SDK, you know, afterwards? Yeah, so we were fully Arweave based in the beginning. So, Arweave has a smart contracting like, lang- like not, it's not a language, it's smart contracting tooling they're building out. It's called SmartWeave. Um, and we were pretty early on using that. And back then it wasn't as production ready as we as we needed it. Um, and so we kept storing the data on Arweave, but then we moved like the, the token logics and things over to uh, a Solidity contract at first. Um, and then we realized like, oh, <laughs> damn, like crypto is getting more usage and gas costs are getting more expensive. And like not every transaction on Kive is going to be worth $100 to pay, right? So we can kind of like never compete yeah. on like an ETH mainnet and even on an L2, right? You, you run into the same problem when you have to share transaction space is at some point, I always call them like low transaction volume, high transaction value applications, like a Uniswap, for example, right? If you make 10K profit on a Uniswap trade, you're fine with paying $100 in gas. And then, but you have less transactions on Uniswap than you have on Kive. But the problem is, or well, the good thing for Uniswap, I guess, is when when traction increases, right? They they have more and more uh, yeah transactions mm-hmm. on chain, and they are going to uh, kind of like yeah, congest or like push out, so to say, the the apps that pay lower fees. So we were like, well, we need to build our own um, app space yeah. for that or app chain for that. And this was shortly before Avalanche subnets came out. It was actually in Denver in February. Um, and so we were like, well, either Substrate or Cosmos, what should we do? And then on Substrate, what we didn't like on Polkadot back then was that um, was the time of the first um, parachain auctions. And they were really expensive. We were like, well, it's actually quite a lot to like use this amount of your tokens and like buy yourself into uh, like security. And for that amount, we were like, well, we could probably build our own security um, on a chain there. And then, uh, yeah, we, so we were looking into this. And then we also uh, realized that, oh, actually, this auction slot is only valid for two years. And so we asked, like, what actually happens after two years? And then the, the answer is, well, you become a para threat, right? So you become a parachain that is, like, part of a different parachain. And so you, your chain has to share block space with the other chains. And we're like, well, then we kind of, like, back to the problem where we started. Yeah. And so we went with Cosmos and uh, decided to build our own, um, so to say, app space uh, for that which of course then i mean goes greatly in line with what you guys are building also a little bit with what kaif is mm-hmm. building um you know kind of like how can we find a different place so to say to secure the data that has already been produced yeah right? yeah the, the more and more i looked into kaif um it it just made sense for you know for our partnership um because we, we you know we provide that btc security and you guys are looking into, you know, providing secure data and being able to pool it and and get to it, you know, whenever you you're able to. So I was like, oh, that that makes sense. Why, you know, we would partner up. I, I think it's really cool what you all are doing. Yeah, as as you said, exactly. And this is also I think something that is really kind of like 
even like an underexplored space, it feels like for me in general, it's like you truly only need the security when writing the data once, right? This is the awesome thing about the blockchain, but actually like, well, keeping the data around is like so much important as well, because, well, especially, but I'm not a Bitcoin expert. So Eric, you might need to correct me if I'm wrong. I think I need the full Bitcoin history, right? To always kind of like resync um like the, the thing so let's assume like you would read like from like a, a faulty backup or something like that you would be unable to ever sync up to the original uh chain and stuff just like so many little details that came in and of course working on kive and i think also but eric you guys have the same experience actually the underlying like infrastructure utilizing is much worse um than i think an outside person would assume it is it is actually really hard to get access to a chain's RPC nodes um, that are hosted. And I see uh, David from Crossness is here. So I know they guys know the pain as well. It is super, super uh, tough, right? To like find a good validated, um, like yeah, data access to, to blockchains, but data is literally the most crucial yeah. part to blockchains. No, you, you're completely right. And like even, <clears throat> like I have experience through um, validating where like, getting all that information just from a chain is it's pretty difficult and if if people didn't provide snapshots like just easier ways to, to get obtain that information it would take forever to do so so you're right like that is something that's really you know difficult and some people don't even think about that how like you know we talked about your experience with bitcoin early on and uh, for me it was like <laughs> you know you had you know you researched it you had your mom tell you to purchase it but for me like all i heard was like stuff that was in the news and it was always like negative stuff like black market and you know silk road and doing all the all these things so i never even um like thought about looking into it i was just like oh it's like i don't know why i thought it was like some evil version of paypal and so um like my my journey into crypto didn't start until like 2017 and uh it just it started basically through ethereum like like it's funny because bitcoin was only like at three thousand dollars and i was like oh that's i missed that train and so i was like ethereum will be the next train that you know i'd be able to to jump on but um i quickly found out you know as trading early on that like all the tokens moved as bitcoin moved and so i wanted to ask you how do you feel like that we're still you know that dependent on bitcoin you know whatever happens on bitcoin kind of determines what happens with the other tokens yeah, I think this is, well, first of all, I mean, totally right. I mean, this is like such, an, such a big behavior and something that, I mean, we recently uh, uh, launched our token and it's kind of like the, really like the, the same thing there, right? It's like you're so exposed to the market. And I think this is actually almost, I don't know if it's a problem in the space or something like this, but I think the, the fact that, you know, like it's still mostly determined by like, the big institutional players moving money from A to B that is impacting the others. <laughs> and it's a funny thing. I think the only example that comes to my mind that is really moving acyclic to Bitcoin is Monero, which, I mean, there you are right, with your back, uh, bad money uh, use case again. <laughs> I think that that's just a use case that is unfortunately always around for people. Yeah. Um, and the people on, uh, I would say active in there might not be the institutional players. Um, so yeah, for me, this is, it's definitely, I think it's time for, for people to, to understand the different dynamics in crypto. Um, and I would hope that it's starting to be a time where like the, the chains 
all the tokens would move uh yeah more independently from each other but just the market power of bitcoin is is insane yeah. really compared to like smaller projects like uh like kai <laughs> no no for sure um and it, i i think that's why you know at babylon because it has that market power we just feel like hey it's kind of like not doing anything right now you know you just you can hold it has a store of value but you know our whole goal is to give it more utility to to be able to to use it for other things because it, it has that huge you know tvl potential and it's not being used and so you know why why not use it to secure other blockchains and that way you can you know just come up with your brand new blockchain and and i have to worry about it being unsecure yeah i think this is definitely as I said, like the biggest advantage kind of like all of that old uh technology i i don't oh, yeah, i don't want to upset anyone but like the technology <laughs> dinosaur in terms of tokenomics let's put it like this right compared to like the 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 newer chains uh coming up now um and so i you know it is absolutely kind of like the, the right place as by far right the highest tv and the highest security out there um it's definitely a, a great choice for that yeah you know when you were mentioning you know like the cost like on uniswap it, it kind of made me think about um i i don't know how familiar you are with ordinals um but you know when they they got pretty popular like at the beginning of the summer maybe a little bit before that and it caused a lot of congestion on the blockchain network and uh it like even affected our test net like we were having trouble you know getting our signatures in and the time stamping protocol and so it was like this huge test um to our team specifically but just to like i think the the, the bitcoin blockchain as a whole um but whenever like i see things like that happen i think about you know like okay it's crazy like it, like for the miners they were literally having to pay more to to mine than the rewards would be so um what do you think about like having to add, you know keep adding uh, whenever we keep adding utility to bitcoin how that can affect um that that future like if if there's so much congestion is that a good thing um or or you know kind of like what babylon's trying to do is like if we try to get everything uh stamped onto us then we can do a small stamp onto bitcoin to try to you know make that footprint a lot smaller yeah i think that is definitely like um a valid concern actually i wouldn't even say it's only for bitcoin right it's it's actually i would say almost like this is also the reason why you see so many l2s being popular uh, on, on eve right yeah. now right and stuff like i think it's the it's this design of the blockchain of you being so dependent on well only a certain amount of well transaction can happen and i think what i find very interesting there um is really kind of like also how the whole gas system um is 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 constructed so as i say unfortunately i'm not as deep into like the bitcoin uh gas uh structure you know, calculation yeah. yes exactly i do know it for eve so i would just pin my example down for eve but i think it's the same example i hope yeah, <laughs> that will work on bitcoin yeah. as well <laughs> perfect so uh so i mean the thing is there with like why nfts for example right why is the image not stored on chain well because the call to storage on the evm just has an arbitrary, well, it's not an arbitrary, but has an arbitrary value of whatever twenty thousand gas or something like that, um, and it's just because well, you want it's a dis, it's a disincentive to store big data on Ethereum, yeah. right? Um, and so, which is so interesting, kind of like well, at some point, I think if we're starting to see more and more congestions with with gas, it's like well, 
do we meet, maybe need to you know like rethink how the mempool or like how the guest stuff is computed and prioritized um and this is i think something with that you have as, as a very interesting fact i mean for you guys right but you like collect the data and, and you stamp it down once is absolutely kind of like the right way to go because basically this is what you're doing right you're like reprioritizing um things to say well you know like we can secure so much data um utilizing the uh, the underlying like bitcoin security and i think this is definitely kind of like where the space will need to uh will need to develop right and also like is there like should maybe gas be be maxed out in in some way right like is there is there some way we can we can readjust this because also honestly i remember at, i mean two years ago in the bull market time the ux impacts were horrible i actually now thinking about it i probably still have <laughs> some eve locked maybe i can liquidate by now <laughs> but some eve locked in Aave back then on some random account because i just couldn't transfer it out they had like 100 eve locked in Aave, but like 300 uh would have uh, like a hundred dollars eve locked in army but it would have cost like 300 dollars to get it out and i'm like well how is that gonna yeah work? like that makes, you know, like, makes it <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna use that <laughs> and then even with like banking i mean yes international banking like dollar banking is expensive but in the bull market sending usdc is way more expensive um than sending it through the uh through the banks right so i think yeah if, if we get to a to a state in the next couple of years where we are able to uh, yeah, reprioritize uh, the mempool or like readjust the the gas fees um, or something like that. I think this is where we should develop kind of like to avoid seeing these like huge uh, congestions or like spike in, uh, in in gas fees. Although the underlying, I mean, valid is uh, the, the underlying assumption that like, well, you know, like if there's higher demand, people will pay more for it. Absolutely works as we can all yeah, see. Yeah, and but that only works because they they have the hope you know, that there'll be some more value down the road. Um, but, like, I think for us to, like, think about, like, everyday adoption, like, that they, they can't, you know, work. Like, I, um, I'm i from El Salvador. My, my parents would always uh, send money to our family down there. And I, and I think about, you know, the cost. When I was young, it was so expensive to send money down there. And so whenever I first learned about, you know, crypto, I was like, oh, this, this is the answer. This will make it easier for them. And then when you come to find out, oh, if there's more adoption, it's actually going to be even more expensive. So is that really an answer? So I, I think these are like all tough questions that we have to think about. And, and it kind of goes in hand with, you know, why you chose to build on Cosmos because it was a lot cheaper. And um, yeah, I don't know if there's a good answer for that yet, though. Yeah, that is actually, that is a great example. And um, one of our um, partners we work with is Alex Pruden, uh, he's, who's now CEO um, at Alia. But I remember his backstory was kind of the same. He was a, oh, he's a veteran from Afghanistan. He also kind of like saw the same day. He's like, well, the people are so off the banking system. You know, like crypto is, is actually a solution to get the money. And th there is a huge, there's a valid reason, you know, like why this is, why this is a thing. And I think even back then with like the, like the a cheaper price of Bitcoin, because this is also, you kind of like, you have the double effect, right? Like, well, I guess it's more expensive if more people use it. And, you know, the price is still also highly volatile on it. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's a tricky dynamic, but I think, I know the, there's a, some developments happening in Cosmos right now to be, to be able to uh, yeah, reprioritize certain um, transactions. I mean, things like this, for example, something that we did at Hive right in the beginning when we launched our chain with our Genesis set we wanted to make sure the chain starts with the 14 validators we started with and only then we wanted to allow validators to actually create their um external validators to create the validator on chain and we did this by having a line in the code that would just set the gas fee for um 
creating a validator to the total supply. So basically no one was like technically able to ever create a validator. And I think this kind of like idea and mechanism, the other way around where you could say, well, for example, you know, a gas fee could be determined based on the amount of Bitcoin I'm sending, right? Like I would usually assume that the more money I send, the higher of a priority it has, right? So then you could have like, a, like I don't know, like a percentage-based gas fee or something like this, where I'm not sure right now if this is the case, but I'm, I'm pretty sure at least on, on ETH, right? It's like only based on the underlying contract call you do and it doesn't matter yeah. how much it actually yeah. is. No, that that's definitely you know something interesting to look at. Um, so, are have you been following the whole like it's kind of been a big deal here in the states? Um, the whole um, Bitcoin ETF and kind of like their their fight to try to get it approved by the SEC. Uh, yes, yes, I've been I've been following that. So did did you see like um, that a judge ruled that you know that they would be allowed like um, they would be allowed to have an ETF essentially and the kind of made Bitcoin jump a little bit. I just want to get your thoughts on that. And um, and then it's going to follow up to another question I have. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, first of all, like it's, it's great, you know, like allowing the bigger institutions there to kind of, you know, like tap into the, or like, uh, I mean, may, maybe stepping one step back, which is that crypto is highly technical and will ever be highly technical, yeah. right? And it's the same, I think, and this is something that, that actually I don't, uh, it's not that I don't like it about the space, but I think it's something that, that the space is, is facing right now, which is that when you guys are out, you're using Uber, you click a button, you don't care if your data gets sent into a Kafka <laughs> queue processed by a Snowflake database, yeah. and then the car comes. You know, everything you care is you click the button, the car yeah. comes, right? And I think in crypto, it's like, like we are all like, and it's great, you know, we are like putting a lot of highlight on the technology, but like the end user and the people that are not into it for years, they just don't understand it. And I don't know if they want to understand I don't think it. they do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so I think actually kind of like with the with the ETF and like creating some more easier financial um interfaces, the code I would say, uh, on top of that, I think definitely like, you know, we will see an adoption there actually, probably rather than like Bitcoin being unfortunately as decentralized hold by like individuals, mm -hmm. you know, by the, by the non-tech individuals. That is kind of like my hot take on that. Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, that I, I think that's a way to look at it. Exactly. Um, so for me, it's just been interesting. Uh, like I told you before, uh, my family's originally from El Salvador and, um, they came here in the 1980s. It was super corrupt. There was a civil war going on. And so, um, you, like it doesn't matter who's in power it could be the left wing or the right wing it's just been corrupted it's been one of the most dangerous countries in the world for a long time now but you know they, they got that new president who decided to make uh bitcoin a legal tender there and um it to me I, I don't know exactly what you know i'm 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 happy because it, it means good things for el salvador so far but i'm not sure how i feel about it because i felt like the whole point of crypto was so the government you know couldn't control your assets and and you know by the decisions they made like you see countries like venezuela who their their money's pretty much worthless because of what the government does so i just wanted to get your your take on how do you feel like countries making crypto legal if that you know kind of goes against the whole ethos of um of crypto or do you think it's a good idea like what what do you think about that 
I have mixed feelings about it. So first of all, I'm a fan of um, well, countries in general um, getting into like the crypto space and especially like creating legal ground for it. I think this is what we as like projects have to face the most, right? Which is like, well, how do you know, like, I have no clue how to tax my crypto for example, yeah. right? I have no clue which regulations to follow. I have no clue if I can like, you know, repost this and then maybe a day later the sec might might stand in front of the door here in germany <laughs> even though you know like it's not their direct um it's not their direct uh jurisdiction yeah. but of course like, you know through crypto they can right so they're like hmm. so of course like as a as a company legally speaking i'm happy for uh if countries give us the option to actually play within regulations and also i mean there is a there is a good reason why regulations exist and regulations are necessarily bad because they, they do protect us. They do protect our users and they do protect investors. But of course, it's like the question is, first of all, are regulations used to, well, defeat an industry, right? Yeah. Or are they actually used to like support an industry? Um, so at the Kai Foundation, we're based in Switzerland, which has a very nice legal ground, in my opinion, very nice way of dealing it. But if you are, if you don't have the option, um, and you're like a US-based project or something like this, right? The, the air is getting is getting pretty thin there because, well, I mean, America wants to well, take really control over the space and not in a very, in my opinion, user-friendly no. and, and, and project-friendly manner, yeah. right? Um, on the other side, the legal tender, of course, you know, then when you have clear regulations, is kind of like then the good and the bad. Again, I think it's back to the, the crucial UX, UI problem um, of, of, of crypto, right? Which is that, well, when money was invented and everyone had tons of cash lying around, people were like, well, I kind of feel unsafe with my cash at home. So you, you brought it to a bank, right? And then you have the banks being like the central players again. And then the, ba the bank made it easier because they want to get more customers, right? To like the onboarding, the offboarding easier, uh, stuff like this. And this is, I think, something that we see with, with crypto, right? Like there's a reason why Binance is holding so much crypto. Right, it's because the people like maybe don't even want to create a wallet. They just want to trade with it and and interact with it, and they just deposit it there, and they they trust them yeah. that this is a fact. And now it's kind of like this this ultimate question with like blockchains having the assumption of like malicious by default, right? Like this is my most favorite quote <laughs> from one of our developers. He says, "The only reason why we go through all this pain of building on a blockchain." It's because you expect there's one person on the planet that wants to fuck with you, <laughs> right? Like this is literally the only reason. Like we wouldn't need to go through all through all of this pain if we would kind of like assume, uh, like good yeah, everyone's good, right? But you just know there's yeah, you need to build something like this to protect yourself from that one person. <laughs> exactly, and and I mean, and the thing is, we we have seen this. There is a valid argument for this, right? Like, yeah, we've seen FTX. Uh, we have seen other things, which is which is a good example of yeah, actually it is kind of good if things are not like all kind of like centralized by one entity. In the end, I think UX is still the big problem there. Like it's just so much more easier to push away responsibilities and let someone else uh, take the responsibility than yourself. I think short term wise, we will see more of those kind of like centralized players popping up. I do hope, though, that long time you can educate people, you know, more about how to how they can secure their own assets and how they can move around in the space to really kind of like break down those centralized players. Yeah, in the end. you know, like you brought up a great point of like how the U.S. is 
you know, trying to um, trying to take control of the space here. And for me, that's why, like, I think countries like El Salvador, like the positive I see is that they kind of put the pressure on uh, countries like the United States whenever they see like the success maybe that El Salvador will have. And I think it kind of puts the pressure on um, on on, I think, not being so like um, totalitarian, you know, about it. So, um, yeah, I, I just I hope that countries like El Salvador, Switzerland, you know, have a lot of success in order to put that that positive peer pressure to the United States and let and give them the fear of, you know, falling behind. I think that's that's the best way, I think, is seeing success through these other countries. Absolutely. Absolutely. On the other side, though, also our space really also has to, I think, be aware of the. Um, um, let's say of the how do you say of the consequence that it has. I think in crypto, especially the people that are in here for a couple of years now, have gotten really numb to numbers uh, in terms of like project valuation, rounds raised, TVLs, and stuff like this. Right? I mean, I can totally understand that the SEC is pissed when, like, two years ago, uh, America was having like the low interest rate times, right? And then suddenly, like, Coinbase comes and says, well. I mean, we, you can get 4% uh, basically interest, right? You can get 4% APY on the USDC if you deposit it with us. Like, I can understand <laughs> it. you like, hey, you know, like we are coming up with a strategy here to like keep the dollar, which is a very valuable asset, kind of yeah. like in shape. And then you guys come up and you give like everyone a solution to like really <laughs> get, I don't know, four times more the interest rate than, than we are setting here as a, as a, a country to follow, like our banks yeah. to follow. So I think this is also like the responsibility crypto has is also very, very interesting and also very important. I think also something that Eric, I think your project and also our project is doing a lot, which is like, well, if someone has faulty data in crypto and it is an it is a truly permissionless system like a DEX, and you inject incorrect pricing data into a DEX, you can just drain the whole thing. There is nothing you you know, there is nothing from stopping it. And it's stuff that has happened. And it's stuff that will happen. And it's just very important that, you know, like people that are using a DEX, they can use it safely and not that the DEX for any, like, I don't know, uh, because they want to save gas fees or like any financial reasons say, oh, we go like, I don't know, with this unchecked data source, like, and then assuming, you know, good faith by default, because this is exactly contrary to what, to why, like the blockchain space was built. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fabian, I want to, I want to thank you for, you know, answering all these questions about Bitcoin. You know, I know that, you know, that's not our focus, but, you know, thank you for, uh, you know, allowing us to talk about it a little bit. I do want to shift over though and talk about, you know, a few weeks ago, we announced our, our integration with Kive and I wanted to talk about it from your point of view. What made you, you know, see what Babylon was doing and decide that it would be a good partnership for you? Yeah. I mean, for us, it is. It is actually very important because, I mean, as I said, you know, like we using our blockchain, um, but it's not that like suddenly we built something. I mean, we fixed the problem. Oh, am I still there? Yes, Perfect. you are. I lost you at the very beginning, but, ah, but you're still nice. here. Okay, yeah. cool. I think I'm back now. So what I, what I was saying was that, <laughs> I mean, by, by us storing the data and making it secure for many people, it doesn't mean that we are taken out of that problem, right? Like basically, well, if we archive a different blockchain, um, then Kive still needs to be archived somewhere, right? And we can 
store Kaif on Kaif, but it's kind of like a little, little weird. And so actually it's super, super important <laughs> that we have you guys as a, as a partner, right. To kind of like lay out our security, um, and basically, yeah, be not dependent on the, on the problem we are trying to solve, so to say. So this is kind of like so cool that you guys, um, are, are enabling this for us. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's really cool because it kind of, you kind of using like this third feature of Babylon that we don't, I guess, talk about a lot in, you know, we have the timestamping aspect, which will provide you security. But, you know, we also uh, do, you know, BTC staking. I don't know if you saw our, our announcement on that, you know, earlier this summer uh, that we're currently working on. And then uh, there is the, um, the third, like, thing that's, you know, t attached to this is data, is to be able to, you know, timestamp your data to um, Bitcoin. And, and that way it's always safe. And so to me, like, I, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing and providing that for, for people which is, you know, to be able to, you know, get access to it and then be able to pull it out. And I did want to ask you, because I, I was looking at like some videos, um, it seems like right now in order to do so, you have to know like pretty much how to code. Is is there going to be a way for like everyday users to be able to use Kive and um, be able to input data and then, you know, take it out easily without even kind of knowing what's going on in the background? Um, this is a, a good question. I would say for, I always, this is something I also like to say in my talks, right? Like my mom will never use Skype. <laughs> like she, she would just <laughs> never will. Right. Like, like I, I think we are, um, very interesting in the space by being like a, a B2B in crypto almost, right? Like we, we are working with other projects and it requires you to write your own integration and to, to access the data we are working on. We have a couple of tools that make data access very easy. Um, where basically we even take work off developers' shoulders so they don't need to, to do that much. I think in the end, we still remain um, developer-focused, um, but then, of course, applications building on Kaif are then the ones abstracting, so to say, the development need away uh, for other people, but like get the increased like safetyness and user experience by, by using Kaif in the, in the backend. Direct interactions with Kaif, I would still say, unfortunately, to be tech-heavy. Okay, that that's a fair response, and um, yeah, I I was definitely wondering about that. So thank you for that response. Um, is there anything currently going on in Kive that you'd like to to share with us? Like uh, I was looking at your roadmap. Is there any, anything you know that um that you're excited about that's coming up ahead? Uh, yes, yes, yes. As always, many things are happening. Um, we are. I mean, as we de launched our mainnet, we are deploying more and more data pools now. Um, we are heavily dialed down on the Cosmos ecosystem right now. We're offering, offering some cool tools for uh, node operators there, um, which is like one, it's like a block sync. Um, we're working on a state sync right now that should be coming out in the next couple of weeks, which I think, Eric, you touched base on very briefly. It's basically how can I, you know, like quick sync my node using a state. And so once we have this technology ready, um, we can then also focus on um, expanding this into other ecosystems. And on our testnet, we do have a Bitcoin pool it is storing the Bitcoin data. So that's definitely going to uh, hit mainnet at some point. So also, Eric, I will definitely hit your brain uh, on that <laughs> to get a little bit more knowledge uh, into all of the Bitcoin uh, details, especially also all the node operating things. But this is like what we are really on for now, you know, like building out secure data infrastructure for validators. We also have an ELT pipeline. It's already said for like the, the data users to make use of the data we are storing. 
Um, and these are the exciting things uh, coming up on that side. Yeah, me and the team definitely happy to answer any questions. Um, Perfect. Has to do with, <laughs> with Bitcoin. So yeah, <laughs> always reach out. Um, I was going to ask you, you know, like when I was looking at, at y'all's website, it talks about a lot of partnerships like with Solana, Avalanche. Um, tell me how th- how that's like, because like, I, I kind of feel I was, like I was surprised to see that you're, you know, doing so many things outside the ecosystem. So to me, it, I think it's great. Like you don't even talk about like, I, in my opinion, you wouldn't be like, oh, you know, I'm Cosmos. I'm only going to do Cosmos stuff. Like you want to branch out. That's kind of what Babylon wants to do, too. You know, we're definitely very bullish on Cosmos, but we want to offer, you know, our our PTC security to all the other proof of stake chains. And so I feel like you guys have kind of a similar mindset. 100%, 100%, especially because, um, I mean, this this is all due because we came, you know, out of Arweave. Um, and Arweave is a very siloed ecosystem, um, actually. Like, um, And so I think this is kind of like why on Arweave, everyone was like, well, we can work with everyone and anyone because we are on our own anyways. <laughs> and so I think this is how that got, uh, this is how that got started. Um, and then, yeah, actually all of these partners were our first investors. And this is how we raised money for Kaif is we had this archiving solution. Um, and then we spoke to all of those change and, and they, uh, chains and they did the first investment into Kaif. Um, and so basically this kind of like ensures the, the partnership with them. And of course, you know, like then securing it, the co- switch to Cosmos and stuff. Um, now we have a lot of ex- expertise in Cosmos, so we're building out those pools. But then, of course, the others are going to follow uh, very soon. Um, and also for any builders listening in, if you guys want to build your own Kive integration, it's fully open source. Check out GitHub. Uh, text me uh, on Twitter, whatever. I'm always happy to help out uh, kind of like seeing integrations uh, becoming a, a thing. Yeah, make make sure you follow Fabian and uh, and the Kive network, so that way you can get in touch with them. Awesome, um, Fabian, did you attend Osmocon? Uh, I did attend Osmocon in Paris. You mean, right? Yes, yes, in Paris. Yes, I've been there. So tell me, tell me about your experience with Osmocon. I, I did you get a chance to meet some of the the Babylon team there? I don't think so, actually. That's a really? good question. <laughs> I I'm I'm not I'm not too sure. Uh, if oh, but also to be honest, my my uh, my head is all over the place because it was a was a ten day conference week. There's me. a lot of events going on. Yeah. That's... Yeah. So it was <laughs> it was very messy. Uh, Osmocon was a lot of fun. The venue was all the way outside of Paris, which was a little unusual, but it was a lot of fun. Had some met some good Cosmos people there. Um, but Eric, did we? Have you been there? Did, did we run into each other? And no, it's just I, off my mind? I, I wasn't there, but Spiros was there and a few other people from the team. So I was just wondering if you guys had, had a chance to um, you know, run into each other. I, I probably had. <laughs> I hope <laughs> if, if Margot would be in the audience, she could tell. Julian is there. Yeah, she wasn't there. But uh, if so, I can tell you guys it must have been an amazing meeting. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, will you be at Cosmoverse? Um, no, but Paul, so I'm actually not as active on conferences. Paul from our team is, is way more. He's in Korea right now and he will also be, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Istanbul. Yeah, um, Istanbul, be, yeah. Exactly. And so he will be, uh, all around there and I might join in, uh, on, okay. on some other conferences. Exactly. I, I think, I think it was maybe with Paul that, that I, I know that I had a call with him earlier. So maybe it was with him that, you know, he got a chance to meet some people. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about Cosmoverse. So 
I'll definitely try to reach out to Paul and get you know get to meet the Kive team officially. You should do that absolutely, absolutely. And whenever you're near Frankfurt, let me know too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, you know, uh, so far I've only been to Europe once, and it was only on a layover, and it was Frankfurt. So I, I was there with you. <laughs> that's great. That's great. It is like the I am American. Like tell me you're American without being American story. It's like yeah, I've been in Europe once, been in Frankfurt for layover. It's like so many people <laughs> say it's great. It's great. It seems to be like the spot. Um, which is great for me because I always have direct flights. Yeah, you have, you have direct so flights is, everywhere. <laughs> it is perfect. It is perfect. I'm not complaining about that. No, I really, really appreciated it. And uh, yeah, thank you. No problem, no problem. So is there anything else that, you know, we haven't gone over that you'd like to talk about, Kaif? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Let me turn the question around. Do you have any questions about Kaif that haven't been answered? No, I, I think, you know, like my, one of my, questions was you know like the the user face the for like the everyday user but you answered that you know you're you're dev centered and other people will be able to build upon that if they want to you know make it easier for for the everyday user but that that was mostly my my biggest question and like i told you like when i saw you know kive is about storage and you know data like it completely made sense for the babylon partnership like us providing security and you know you being able to do that for 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 data and storage, I think is really important. So I definitely see the value in Kive. Yeah, I think it's definitely it's a it's it's a great match. And yeah, definitely looking forward to the next uh, months, years, uh, and decades working with you guys. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll definitely have to have a follow up show just to see you know where we're at and uh, and and see all the progress that you've been able to make there in Kive. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today and uh, being able to share a little bit about your story and you know, a little bit about Kive Network. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for having me. It was a great space. Really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, I can't wait for the, for the follow-up. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. Nice. I'm going I'm to tell you something. When the world starts to get really bad and these mugs out here robbing, you're going to love digital currency. All these motherfuckers, they be running and gunning. And I'm all like, I'm sitting back just having fun in the sun. And I'm like one out of a hundred. I'm just building up on it. So some of everything we built are in the last hundred upsets. You're getting salty, feeling faulty. You ain't no man. I keep robo here, grinning ear to ear, throwing up anarchy. Smoking toilet trees, spitting philosophies. Look at the dossier. We rack like geology. There's layers to this shit. Like it's sedimentary. All these little onion peels getting torn off and buried. Imagine the smell. That shit is a vital experience without knowing how you will not survive, period. Uh, <laughs> he's a fucking trip, man. Jimmy, if you Jimmy, if you listen to this, right, you're getting absolutely fucking ripped to death, like on a spaceship of a life, you little troglodyte bastard. I hope you fucking listen, I hope you come to my house, son. I swear to God, man, I've got fucking loads of weapons and my dogs, man. You just a little rat, man. Go on. Fuck off, man. Do one. Fuck off. Harmony. No, no, the wonder you're looking for a fucking job. You fucking idiot. You've just been fucking up with this. Fuck off. Try to change the course of the portion philosophy I'm just here for the corporation sponsor But bottomy feels like I won the lottery Like I'm ghosting this pottery Chill, Demi Boy, the shit's supposed to be haunting If it wasn't, ain't no puzzle You would try to train your muscle Air dropping like a fatal hustle But the pay is bustin' Think of all the loss of crew Just to pick up off the tricky custom Not the year All those sub would make up for something I guess it just goes to show The fuck do I know? At least it's quiet over here I like my little silo It's better than watching them fight over How to divide my time between 
sitting at the desk and the ride home. Devs at Mickey D's, they leeching off that Wi-Fi. Zap dosing more, they shipping more than five guys. Console open, waiting for the kamikaze when the flash phone bang. They feeling like paparazzi, snapshot motherfuckers. We got layers, meteora, jawbreaker. We cracking a lot of craters. We wrapping a lot of pay dirt, maxing out relayers. Imagine the smell, five dollar wrench to your Darth Vader. It's, it's really funny uh, to us at Binance that everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators are, we know, we know where they live, and we're going to their house with a wrench, a big wrench, and we will attack them with the wrench, and then we will take their validator home physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right, so this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in, in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lunk uh, in order to take over the chain, is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb. It's just a van of men in uh, Balaclava, and they have wrench and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. They are usually very fat and they're usually uh, in the shower with, you know, with trying to wash uh, their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we, uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop. Don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. give us your validator note. And then they give it to us and we drive it to China. Ten spaces.